Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey, everybody. I'm Sarah, and today I'm joined by Dr. Chinway Williams. Hi, everyone. Tyreek Wesley. Hello. And Chef. Hey, everybody. And we are super excited today. Chinway, you've been with us before, one other episode, yes? Absolutely. Okay, but this is your second one with us. So tell us a little bit about you in case our guests are not familiar with what you do. Absolutely. I am a psychotherapist in the Roswell area. I'm also a counselor educator. So I've been teaching students who want to be counselors probably for about 11 years now. And I've had my own private practice for the past seven years okay. where I see folks with a wide variety of presenting concerns, but I do work with older adolescents, young adults, college students, and adults. Great. And Tyreek, you have been with us several times, yep. but you have worked in the middle school ministry at North Point, and yep. so you're here to kind of share your personal experience. And the reason why I'm so glad to have Dr. Chinway Williams and Tyreek here and Chef is because the question we're answering is how we can take care of our own mental health as a youth ministry leader. And so the reason why we thought this topic would be helpful is because while I think mental health is something the church as a whole has gotten better at talking about, I think we still have a long way to go when it comes to having healthy conversations around this topic. And I think it's become increasingly clear that we aren't doing enough. So whether it seems like that's an increase in suicides with pastors and ministry leaders or just burnout culture or anxiety or depression, the effects of our lack of attention on this topic is becoming more and more obvious. So we thought that here at Orange, while this is something a lot of us are already thinking about, why don't we start talking about it more as well? And so that's what we're going to do today. We really want to talk a lot about um, what we're seeing happen in ministries, um, why this is something the church has a hard time talking about, and maybe what we can do to improve on that. So maybe just to begin, we know that words like anxiety and depression and stress have become sort of buzzwords um, in culture. So how do we learn to tell the difference between what is a disorder and what's a season of stress or even what the difference is between stress, anxiety, depression? What are some of the clinical definitions that would help us differentiate some of these things? Yeah, absolutely. I want to start off by just saying this is like pretty awesome that we're even having this conversation. Um, If you look at recent stats, yeah. according to the National Alliance of Mental Illness, approximately one in five adults wow. experience some form of mental health disorder or condition mm-hmm. in a given year, any given year. Yeah. So this is like such an important discussion. And I think a lot of times when people, even though we're talking about mental health mm-hmm. more and more, when people think about mental health, they still sort of think about the more serious conditions, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the bipolars, the schizophrenia, mm-hmm. um, obsessive compulsive disorders. And I think that that is probably because media sort of does what the media does in terms of sensationalizing it with movies or books. Um, But there really are like a whole host of other Mm -hmm. conditions that so many adults in America and youth in America experience. So kind of going back to your question about how to sort of differentiate folks who are going through just a really rough season, right? Mm -hmm. Versus something that we would consider diagnosable. Right. So we know that millions of people have difficult seasons of life, Mm -hmm. depending on what sort of events that they're enduring. So loss is something that can really bring about sadness Mm -hmm. or even like hopelessness for just a temporary period of time. Loss really across the board, right? Mm -hmm. If you lose a job, if you're moving from one place neighborhood to another, not Mm -hmm. even across states. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of youth talk about how difficult and challenging that is. Mm -hmm. Experiencing divorce is really tough. So those things are events that you would pretty much imagine that anybody would have a tough time with, right? Um, And that's normal. Sadness Mm -hmm. and anxiety is a normal part of the human condition. I think that's important to note that that feeling that is not that doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. But that's a part of the human experience. It means that you're alive. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's Not it. feeling it is the right. Problem. That's the problem. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, but when you sort of like venture into what might be considered, you know, something to look at or mm-hmm. something to go to a professional about, it really has to do with length of time, duration, okay. and severity. Right. So sadness is something that we experience when life, you know, hits us really hard. There's a mm-hmm. setback or a disappointment. 
Um, but sadness goes away. Mm-hmm. Depression doesn't. Okay. It doesn't go away easily and it, it, it hits individuals really, okay. really hard. Got it. Yeah. That's helpful. So why do you think this is something that the church as a whole seems to have a problem with, but maybe some churches in particular are really struggling to kind of catch up when it comes to facing the stigma um, that comes with mental yeah. health discussions? Well, I just came off Orange Tour where we're we're encouraging small group leaders to really have their own community where they can be seen and they can talk about what's really going on in their lives. And one of the lines in it is, you know, the dirty little secret of working in churches is the higher up you are and small group leaders are the, you know, top volunteers in many churches. Same with staff. The harder it is to find a safe place Mm -hmm. to really talk about what's going on because you know, you're supposed to be spiritually fit. Yeah, you're supposed right. to be the the model. And, you know, we're coming out of an excellence, you know, oriented mm-hmm. time. And, you know, to admit that something's wrong, mm-hmm. to admit that, you, you know, the sadness hasn't mm-hmm. gone away mm-hmm. feels like you're admitting mm-hmm. you've lost hope in God or, right. you know, and I mean, for years it was just pray harder and all mm-hmm. those sorts right. of things. And I think we're finally to the place where we understand we live in a broken world yes. and the mind and the spirit mm-hmm. can be broken in mm-hmm. different spots as well. Not the Holy Spirit, but our, right. you know, in general, that feeling. So, I mean, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I think another part of it is, you know, many churches don't cover this. Mental health isn't part of the coverage and mm-hmm. it's expensive and or don't have plans to help their pastors when it comes to this. You know, I know that's been the case. Yeah. I've worked at some organizations where yeah. you have an allotment, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've worked at some where you've got to be diagnosed yeah. before and, oh, and it becomes a medical condition, right. which has several other right. issues come up after that. You, know? you brought up a couple of things that I think are worth touching on. The first was that it seems to be associated with a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what you were saying, Jin Wei, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. this is a it's a human experience and it's not necessarily a demonstration of weakness. So even just changing the way we talk yeah, about negative, it yeah. that way. The other thing that I thought you, you mentioned that was interesting was the connection to faith, like mm-hmm. the, that we've mm-hmm. made it just a spiritual mm-hmm. thing. Yep. And so mm-hmm. I think that that probably has mm-hmm. contributed to it. So how do you talk when you're meeting with patients, mm-hmm. how are you talking to them so that they know this isn't a demonstration of a lack of faith or how are you working yeah. with people to understand that? I always say you have to initiate the conversation mm-hmm. because, you know, many of us have heard of the culture of silence. Mm-hmm. Silence actually speaks volumes okay. and mm-hmm. when it's not addressed at all. So for example, if I were to work with uh, a ministry leader and I don't address what they do, that's a huge aspect oh, of their lives, okay. right? Yeah. And so in addressing their profession, their vocation, their passion, I've got to ask what's hard about it, yeah. you know, what's difficult. And in, in, inevitably it'll come up some of those uh, historical sort of barriers that we're yeah. talking about and that Chef mentioned where when you have depression or anxiety, it's perceived and sometimes it's not from the church. Sometimes it's within the family, right. um, indirect messaging where you per- you feel like you're perceived as being weak or not faithful enough or not praying enough, right? Because the message that a lot of people, whether they're in youth leadership or not, or receive as Christians is, okay, well, if you have a problem, you go to God and you pray. And Mm -hmm. if it's not working, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. I love that um, the idea of indirect messaging, that it's not necessarily something specific that the church is saying, but it's something that's being communicated in other ways. Absolutely. And psychologically speaking, that indirect messaging happens to be a little bit more um, insidious. Yeah. So in oh, the absence okay. of information, mm-hmm. people then fill put, the gaps. They fill in the gaps. Mm. And it's yeah. not always accurate. It's not always mm. helpful. And oftentimes it's actually pretty harmful. And we yeah. see that with certain scandals yeah. that we've seen, you know, with um, different religions and sexual abuse right. when there's nobody talking about it but you're going to church or you're going to community events, you feel like, okay, that means something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think when you, being a youth, being someone who works in ministry, yeah. you're always putting, it's the noble thing to put other people's needs first. Yes. And yeah. so you just keep going and you right. don't think about your own thing. And I think it's unique in the sense that like, 
it's a always you always are pouring out, right? right? So like my job is to make sure that my volunteers are being fed or that mm -hmm. the students are being fed spiritually and things of mm -hmm. that nature. Mm -hmm. And whether I'm feeling sad or anxious or whatever, yeah. I kind of try to ignore that yeah. and you still have to pour out. Right. And I think it's not and I think in the past it wasn't because it was something that wasn't talked about, you didn't see your pastor do it or talk That's about right. it. And it's right. like, well, why do I need to take a break? Right. It's like if your mom did everything yeah. and you saw her do everything, she never took a break. You think, oh, if I'm going to be a mother like that, I have to I be have to this yeah. way. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know how tired she was. You don't know right. how her mm -hmm. mental health was. You don't know those things. And so, but you take cues from what you see. That's a and great so I think point. that's, um, that's a big part of it too. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's another thing to add. You know, I talked to so many people who've just burn out and left mm -hmm. ministry and they mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. they say this one, I always, they're like, well, the lead pastor didn't have any moral failure or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm not quite sure because if the lead pastor created a culture mm -hmm. where they were running young families into the ground and right. not taking care of themselves, I think that's a moral failure. Yeah. yeah. That's you a know? great point. And that seems to be, especially startup churches yes. and small churches, it seems youth workers you know, specifically. Yeah. And I'm sure children's workers, but I mean, I, I spend my days talking to youth workers. Yeah. I mean, they are tired. Tired. And they have too much to do and to, to stop to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. seems selfish. Yes. It does. But at the end of the day, like you're talking about pouring out, mm -hmm. if you have nothing to pour out, you're not doing what you're called to do. Exactly. Yeah. You know? so. I, I think that that's where in ministry, that's a unique job that mm -hmm. because it is it requires a lot of you emotionally yep. and so you mm -hmm. feel like to you have to be there for people because there is so much on the line mm -hmm. if you're not mm -hmm. it feels like you're really going to let people down not just it's not just showing up to work a shift you know exactly. in a retail store it's like this is I, right. I'm, I need to be support I need to be strong for you and so there's a lot it feels like you're on, it's, on it's the not line. just yeah. a job yeah. No, right? no, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, and it's a huge responsibility mm -hmm. on yeah. top of so many other obligations and commitments and responsibilities that individuals are sort of carrying. Mm -hmm. And so I think I want to kind of flip that notion a yeah. little bit of, of it being selfish. I agree with everything you guys yes. are saying. Um, I probably started Instagram just a couple of years ago, so late. I'm like, a <laughs> but one of the things I love or one of the concepts or ideas I love to post about, and it seems redundant, but I'm like, no, this is a big deal. It's about self-care mm -hmm. and, and helping people to understand that it's not a luxury. It's not bubble baths. It's not spa right. dates. It's not taking naps right. or Netflix, yeah. Netflix and chilling. It yeah. really is about taking care of yourself. So if you think about youth leaders who oftentimes with startups are, you know, kind of feeling like they're ran into the ground. Yeah. That's a huge responsibility, but mm -hmm. you come first. You right. can't pour from an empty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't pour from yeah. an empty well. Yeah. Um, so just helping people to understand that that is the the priority. And by the way, as a professional counselor, that's a mandate. People don't realize that we have an ethical code around taking care of yourself. Okay. So for example, I'm happily married, praise be to God. Mm -hmm. But if I were going through a, a divorce, how effective would I be working with yeah. someone who's yeah. going through a divorce? Mm -hmm. So our professional ethics dictate that we take some time away, but people feel like yeah. in ministry, we can't. There I love that. Who are that's need, part of your job. Our services. You yeah. yeah, that's yeah. good. And I think it's it's not like a broken arm, right? right. So I think mm -hmm. for me, and I just started going to counseling this yeah. year, and, I, and when I look back, I'm like, man, I felt sad or I felt... Mm -hmm ran down for years, right? Mm -hmm. And so and but for me it was connected to having two kids who have sickle cell anemia. So having mm -hmm. two kids that have a blood disorder, right? Yeah. Wow. And feeling let down by God and feeling mm -hmm. like, you know, well, what did what did we do wrong? Right. And I'm yeah. I'm the minister, so I'm the one pouring out. Right. Yeah. But you didn't answer this for me. And so yeah. I realized so, but I didn't realize something was off because yeah. that feeling of numbness mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. or sadness mm -hmm. But just became normal. Yeah. And so you go to work and push you still through. smile, you push through. push through. But when you're alone, you're like, yo, I, I really feel some type. Like, I don't yeah. know what this yeah. is. I have yeah. a hard time trusting. Or a big thing for me was like, I used to be super optimistic and mm -hmm. I became super cynical. Mm -hmm. And my wife pointed that out to me and I was like, well, dang, I never, like, I never, <laughs> like, like, I never realized yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started going and talking to somebody about it where I felt like for me, the biggest thing was my counselor said stuff to me that no one else has said to me. Yeah. And he pointed stuff out to me that no one has ever pointed out to me. Like, mm -hmm. I never forget the first time I went and I was just sharing my story with him and how disappointed I was at God that mm -hmm. my kids, 
you know, had this disease and all this other kind of stuff. And we talked about that for the whole time. At the end of it, he goes, man, Tariq, your spirit is really broken. It's really been broken. Wow. And I looked at him and I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't have used those words yeah. to describe, but maybe I was like, that has to be what I'm feeling. Yeah. Like it has to be what's going on inside of me. And I think, so I think part of it is like, yes, there is this stigma that it's weak and I don't have time. But part, another part of it is like, I may not even have the words yeah. to yes. talk about how it is that yeah. I'm feeling. Like right. I wouldn't have described myself as having a broken spirit. But yeah. when he said it, I was like, absolutely. It like resonated. that's something's off. Well, I, I love that yeah. he said that. And I feel like, I, I don't want to speak into your experience, but it seems like even just having somebody notice or see you in mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. and put to words what maybe you hadn't been able to put to words. I think mm-hmm. I would think that even just naming it would be really yes. helpful yes. Mm-hmm. and healing in a way. Yeah. That even just, so it's, it's, maybe it's that we are afraid to go to counseling yeah. thinking we don't need to be fixed or we don't necessarily want to be fixed, but it's, we're not necessarily going to be fixed, but maybe no. just to have somebody see us. We call it experiencing the felt experience, mm. which oh, seems probably really nebulous. But what you're speaking to is validation. Yes. It's like, okay, it's not just something that's in my head. Yeah. Um, Tariq, raising two kids with special needs, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And I have a child with autism, so I can okay. relate. Um, but yeah. two, yeah. that's incredibly hard. Right. And to have someone say to you directly, man, that's hard. How do you get up every day and do that? As yeah. opposed to getting the message indirect or directly, keep pushing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Keep pushing, yes. which is exhausting. Yeah. And we can't be superhuman and pushing ourselves 24-7 right. is actually extremely destructive. Yeah. Well, Tyreek, the other thing you said that I thought was interesting is that you just kept going and that you yeah. hadn't realized how numb you'd become. And I just wonder how much of the culture we live mm-hmm. in now has contributed to this we're constantly busy. Mm-hmm. We're constantly, we always, uh, we have ways to distract ourselves, whether it's mm-hmm. phone, social media, so that we don't necessarily know how to be in tune, or hear ourselves or feel anything. We we are much easier or much better at numbing yeah. than we are experiencing, I think. Yeah. And so I think that probably leads to, we don't know we need help until it's gone pretty far. Oh, yeah. absolutely. One of the first things I do in session is ask, not, I don't even ask, I use the word invite because- mm-hmm. You just respond differently to that word, right? I invite my clients to just be still Mm. and notice whatever comes up. And, you know, in the beginning, they're like, yeah. okay, like, yeah, <laughs> what are we this doing here? Right. I thought you were good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we do that often enough. And sometimes when I forget to do that, my clients remind me, oh, hey, aren't we going to do that mindful thing again? Yeah. Where I'm just sort of noticing my emotions because yeah. you're absolutely right. In this busy culture with so many distractions and the fast paced lifestyle, right. we don't have time to just be still, hear the voice of God, pay mm-hmm. attention to what's coming up for us. And then have the ability to make changes. Yeah. yeah. And I think something I learned too, going was like, just because it's normal for you doesn't mean it's normal. <laughs> oh, right? That's, that's good. So, like, right. whether it's conflict in family, right? Yeah. Now, that may be normal for you because that's how you, <laughs> right. because that's right. just what you've lived in, right? right? Whether that's that tension or the way mm-hmm. y'all talk to each other, maybe super aggressive or whatever, you may mm-hmm. be like, oh, that's whatever. Yeah. But then when you go talk to your counselor, your count- my counselor was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not normalize this. Right. Like that, yeah. like there's another way of doing this. There's a healthier way of yeah. addressing this issue and talking about this issue. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just like, oh, this has just always been life. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. why would yeah. this like mm-hmm. what's wrong with this? I wouldn't know to mm-hmm. want anything different. Exactly. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. with ministry, also another part of it is like as you're excelling, yeah. you really don't want to take time to stop. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, if I stop, then opportunities may stop or whatever, yeah. whatever. And I think that's something that could be in the back of somebody's mind as well. Like, yeah. I don't have the time, but it's like, especially if you're growing in success, it's like, dang, well, it's, it's not affecting me to the point where I'm not achieving. So, right. right. All right. I'm gonna keep going. You yeah. Know? That's a good point too. Yeah. I, 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 I really love what you're saying, Tariq. I, I want to mention that sometimes when you're having a hard time, people think of depression as like a lot of hard or negative feelings. Mm-hmm. Depression and trauma can actually feel like nothing. Mm-hmm. You feel numb. Mm-hmm. And so there's an absence of emotion. And so point. you aren't able to really gauge when you should be reacting to something yeah. that is like, you know, outside of the normal circumstances. And so that's really good to just, I think, for everybody to be aware of that you can kind of keep going mm-hmm. and reach those higher, yeah, yeah. You over-function mm. even because you're not able to really experience the message that your body is giving you to kind of mm-hmm. stop and push pause. So Tyreek, you mentioned your wife said something to you. Mm-hmm. It, was that kind of the catalyst for you to go to counseling? 
So the catalyst from I think that was a part of it. It was it was multiple things, uh-huh. right? I think so. If you're not familiar with sickle cell, one of the biggest things with sickle cell is that like people with sickle cell that live with it have severe pain crises, right? Yeah. And so for me, it was like it was always in my family. It was always these roller coasters, mm-hmm. right? It's like when we're not in pain, we're like any other normal family. It's amazing, right. but when we're in these severe pain crises, where yeah. they can last up for a week, it just it's just like. The medicine's not working. Your kid's crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're tr- like you just live in this painful yeah. situation. And so my son Tyson was having one of those where it was like in his feet, he couldn't walk. He was in the bed for like a week. Oh. And um, I just remember sitting there, and I was and I was so angry and upset. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, you could you could do something about this, but mm-hmm. you don't. And I remember feeling abandoned, all those things. Yeah. And luckily, I work at a church where we talk about mental health all the time, and yeah. they are in a position where they can put funds aside to pay for mm. staff people to go to counseling. And it's, yeah. they almost look at you sideways if you don't go, right? It's like, <laughs> wait, why do you think you got yeah. it all together? Like, yeah, this is it, something we all do. And people have been talking to me about it because I think they just saw the weight of what, yeah. you know, my family goes through. And when that happened, I was like, man, it's time. Yeah. Like, it's time for me to go. Yeah. And then I read this book by Carrie Newhoff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to butcher the title. It's mm-hmm. something like... I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. He yeah. had a chapter on cynicism and optimism. Mm-hmm. And he said, you don't become cynical because your heart is closed. Yeah. You become cynical because your heart was once open mm. wow. and was That's wounded. Really mm-hmm. yeah. And for me, it was like my heart was open in that this situation wasn't going to be a part of my family story. Yeah. And it was twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, it put me in this place that I didn't even realize I was there of like, man, bad things happen and they're probably going to, like, it made me experience, like, what's the worst thing? Okay, that's probably going to end up happening, the worst mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. And that was, when I realized that when my wife pointed that out to me, I said, yeah, something's, like, I'm not Tyreek. Like, I'm functioning, but I'm not, mm-hmm. there's Tyreek before sickle cell and there's Tyreek after mm-hmm. sickle cell oh, yes. and they're not the same yeah. people. And my counselor helped me realize that, like, the Tyreek after sickle cell doesn't have to be the Tyreek that was before it, mm-hmm. but there is a healthy version of, yes. of living in this that I need to work through. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that you just said, I didn't know I was there mm-hmm. because I think that's probably, you know, for me, when I look back at, you know, the good and bad times with 46 years of experience at this point, <laughs> you know, there are times and I didn't realize I was going those, you know, I, yeah. you know, when I look back at it, it's all the little things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was not one one main thing I could have done to avoid it. There's mm-hmm. just a lot of little things, little things I needed to do daily. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, whether it is physical exercise mm-hmm. or quiet time or mm-hmm. it's when I get busy and start mm-hmm. to lose those mm-hmm. sort of things that things start to tick in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And eventually it hurts bad enough yeah. mm-hmm. that I go, wait a minute, what is this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know if you have advice yeah. on like practically. Okay. So before we even get to what are the practical things we can do to, to look at this, it seems like, you know, for you, Tyreek, your experience with counseling was great. Obviously, Chinway, you're a counselor, but if counseling isn't in the cards for people, like if it's a financial issue mm-hmm. or whatever the reason might be, what are just some of the things that we can do to prevent getting to those crisis moments if counseling isn't necessarily going to happen right away for us? Absolutely, because there are circumstances where people just aren't able to experience counseling for a wide variety of reasons, right? Access in some rural areas, there just aren't enough available supports. Mm -hmm. And then obviously financially, Mm -hmm. um, and then some people don't accept insurance. So I think this is really important. There's many activities that Mm -hmm. are actually backed by science that help to mitigate the effects of events that can cause depression or anxiety. The number one thing that comes to mind for me is just relationship. Mm -hmm. Relationship. As a matter of fact, this is from my perspective. The top three things that really lead to uh, mental wellness Mm -hmm. are relationships. Relationships, exercise, Mm -hmm. and then nutrition. Mm. Oftentimes people think about nutrition. Now, if we're talking about weight loss, that's a different story, right? But really the research is pretty clear about that. The degree that to which your relationships are healthy Mm. are a source of emotional support for Mm. you is incredibly important. And this is biological. Like we are wired for relationships. And so, so many people are talking about 
isolation and loneliness Mm -hmm. now being being an epidemic, just like depression, right? Mm -hmm. And so some people think of it as the new smoking. Right. Uh, Loneliness is is a big deal. And so we're connected, but we're also disconnected Mm -hmm. in today's world. And so relationships are really important. Beating isolation. So finding your community, Mm -hmm. finding your tribe is really, really important. Exercise. Mm -hmm. So I... um, have been looking at a, a study that really focuses on outdoor activity. So we mm-hmm. we think about exercise and we're like, oh, okay, I've got a gym in my basement. Let me go downstairs and do, you know, some yeah. Zumba really mm-hmm. quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Or men will be like, okay, not men, but anybody would be like, okay, let me do some strength training. Right. Um, but they think about going to a gym indoors. Mm-hmm. The research is really clear. Outdoor activities are really optimal mm-hmm. for your mental health. That's interesting. So hiking, mm-hmm. you don't have to go hiking, but just the having an outdoor experience is very, very helpful. Gardening is really mm-hmm. helpful. Um, so 30 minutes a day, 30 okay. minutes a day is what you need. And then nutrition is yeah. of course very important. Um, they, we know what happens to our moods when we eat refined foods and I'm not against refined yeah. foods, yeah. but it's just something to be aware of. Um, omegas tend to be uh, mood boosting, blueberries tend to be mood boosting, mm-hmm. and this could be a whole nother podcast, yeah. but nutrition does play a role in your overall mental health. Yeah. And I can go on and on. Yeah. Setting boundaries, saying no when you yes. want to say no, right, right. <laughs> too many yeses mm-hmm. can lead to um, poor mental illness or mental wellness. And the list goes on. I want to go back to the first thing you said, relationships, because mm-hmm. I think that goes back to what you were saying, Chef, that yeah. we don't feel like as ministry leaders, there's a safe place. And especially in the smaller yeah. communities and smaller churches, are, how do we find these relationships where we yeah. can really express that without it jeopardizing our credibility <clears throat> or you know, yeah. Jobs. Well, back to the orange tour. This yeah. is one of the things we were teaching. Uh, John Townsend just put out a book called People Fuel. Have you read it yet? I have and, and I, um, I got to see or hear the plan for it a couple of years ago. I haven't read it yet. At that time, he had seven different types of people. And he basically were doing a relational audit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's oh, making good. sure you have the right types of people. And I remember the top three were coaches, mm-hmm. comrades, and colleagues. Mm-hmm. And coaches were somebody you pay to yeah. fuel you. So somebody who has yeah. a skill set you don't, or you might not pay them, but they're clearly there for you. So a counselor, yeah. mm-hmm. a um, nutritionist, yes. a trainer, even mm-hmm. a financial advisor, because that can be super stressed. Like mm-hmm. I can't handle money. So I need someone yeah. who's going to help me. And he was always, he said, you need two or three coaches in your life at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Comrades, this was the interesting one. Comrades were the people you can trust with the last 10%, mm-hmm. you know? And he said, and this is to kind of to your point, the way you know you're, it's a comrade is you're close to him, you trust him, and you've had a DTR. You've had a conversation mm-hmm. where you've said, can we be this for each other? Mm, that's good. And you have a plan, whether it's you have breakfast weekly or, hey, when I'm experiencing this, can I text you or, you mm. know, whatever yeah. that is. He's like, then that's a comrade. Most people have zero comrades. Yeah. They have a lot of close friends, but yeah. they've never had the conversation to say, I need somebody and I'd love to be that for you. Would you be, you know? Yeah. Interested, And then the rest are colleagues. And those are the people that most of us have, which are all people we do life with and love, Mm -hmm. but we've never taken the next step to say, you know. Yeah. And But the crazy thing about the comrades is he said, you need five to seven. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, you need five to seven. He said, the truth is you need three or four. But if you're constant, if you think you have five to seven because people are relationally moving in and out of your, you know, closeness. Yeah. That you probably actually have three or four okay. people that you can pick up the phone and say, you know, I'm having these thoughts again, you know, or yeah, something's yeah. just off. Can I talk to you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I just want to add, to, I love that, Chef. And I just want to add that, you know, we always hear that you want to be around like minded people. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of just sort of stepping out of the ministry world yeah. just to give yourself yeah. a break That's a and great maybe point. talking yeah. to a friend, a comrade yeah. who doesn't. Isn't, isn't in your world. Well, yeah. that's exactly what he said. He said, for most of us, that a comrade can't be something, someone who works at your church. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's a good point. So that's why, like, you know, I get to do the National Youth Workers Convention yeah. and, and we have these conferences where we all get together. We do the same things. That's a great place to pick up a comrade who knows yeah. what you're going through, yeah. but maybe is a state over yes. or a city over yes. um, who they can be safe with you as well. You know, the the Orange Facebook group and the yeah. student ministry stuff, you can get connected with people and they, mm-hmm. they, they don't have, you don't have to be face to face. Sometimes it's easier, mm-hmm. you know. 
over the phone. And the other thing he said was genders. He's like, mm -hmm. you should probably have some comrades of different mm -hmm. gender because mm -hmm. they can give you perspectives, you know, in yeah. different about what's going on in different ways. So just this idea of doing an audit of your relationships, because the other side is true as well. And if you think about it in ministry, you know, I, I can't remember all of them, but I remember one was caustics. Like mm. these are people mm -hmm. that it's not healthy to be around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And That's often we're too. called right. to be around those people. <laughs> right? Nobody else will. Right. Yeah. But we have to be cautious about it. Yeah. Because it's you know? draining. It yeah. is. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is draining. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it seems like in ministry, maybe a lot of people are counting on you to be their comrade. Yes. But you're, you don't mm -hmm. necessarily have the people. Well, that's exactly right. I'm yeah. paid to be everybody's comrade, mm -hmm. but who's... Mm -hmm. Who's that for yeah, me? Yeah, who's my yeah. comrade. Yeah, so. which leads to the isolation. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Chef, you mentioned something a little bit earlier I want to go back to is that maybe one of the reasons why we have a hard time talking about this is we're kind of moving out of this excellence culture. And so yeah. we're trying really hard to appear a certain way in front of other people. But it seems like Gen Z is kind of the opposite, that they're they really the big opposite. into authenticity. Do, you, so yeah. do we think that, is that something that could potentially help us um, in yeah. ministry, that commitment to authenticity and to the realness that can maybe make this something we yeah. talk about more easily? Well, I think the bullseye for what youth ministry is going to look like in the next 10 years uh, circles around this idea of a safe place and mm -hmm. how we create a safe place because we're trying to minister to a culture and who's replaced excellence with authenticity. Mm -hmm. And we've grown up, and when you grow up in an excellence culture and you're not excellent, you pretend to be. That's mm. right. You know yeah. what I mean? So we would drive into church in our minivan fighting like crazy, but we would right. get it together mm -hmm. to walk that's into right. church and <laughs> pretend like everything's okay because yeah. that's what's excellent. Well, this generation of students that we're trying yeah. to serve, they crave authenticity, authenticity. and they, they call out, yeah. you know, yeah. like when they see that in you, you've kind yeah. of, you've lost them. You've lost your effect with them. And so yeah. it's hard for those of us who grew up in an excellence culture to say, you know what? I'm broken too. Yeah. You know, and by the way, I go to counseling as well. <laughs> but it, but and I, I seems, love this group. Yeah. I love this group. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like that's something that what could maybe propel churches and yeah. kind of moving in that direction yeah. and being able to get more I think that about if it. you look at the best youth ministries and who's really making progress mm -hmm. and really raising up some mm -hmm. kids of amazing strong faith mm -hmm. this is an element of it yeah that mm -hmm. they they can look at leaders who admit that they struggle with some things That's admit right. that mm -hmm. they have doubts about their faith i think it That's was Kara right. Powell Doubts and questions don't hurt faith, but yes. unprocessed doubts and questions do. Well, where do those happen? Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for me, this is so exciting and I'm going to get my soapbox out for a minute because I've put my last 13 years into creating safe places, finding mm -hmm. safe people and convincing kids that they can. Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm looking at a generation that's going to do that. I don't have to convince mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They are looking for a place to be themselves and to be real and to sort that out. And I can't think of a better place to do that than the church. Right. And so I feel like we really have an opportunity to do something, yeah. you know, with this next generation because they are craving what they need. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. And I think to piggyback on that, I think ways that I've seen that implemented in ministry mm -hmm. is um, in a couple of weeks, we're getting ready to go to, you know, we do camps for our middle yeah. schoolers and things of that nature. And this year we're doing this thing called cardboard testimonies. Yeah. And basically what a cardboard testimony is. It is a leader and a student's opportunity to reveal that they're not perfect. So mm -hmm. they have little signs that say, I once was whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That could be, um, I had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I once was whatever the thing is, but now I'm seeking help or yeah. I'm healed. I was lonely, yeah. but now I'm connected, whatever. Yeah. And to piggyback on what yeah. you were saying, that's an opportunity for, and leaders yeah. demonstrate that yes. first. Yep. Like, hey, yeah. I once was addicted to this thing and now yeah. I found freedom in this yeah. Thing, yeah. from this thing. And I think that's something that students can connect yeah. to. They're like, oh, okay, they're not perfect. And yeah. I think that's just the way you can build it yeah. into your, into like how you serve people. That's a great right. point. And sort of going back to the prevalence rates. So we've got 40 million people who mm. suffer from anxiety right. in the U.S. And one in five suffer from depression, mm. right? So we look around the room. Right. Yeah. Some of us yeah. are going through, many of us are going through something. The yeah. top five mental health conditions are anxiety, used to be depression, number one. Mm. It's anxiety, depression, eating disorders, mm. substance abuse, and ADD. Can I ask a question? Yeah. What's the difference between like anxiety and depression? Yeah, very good question. <laughs> um, so anxiety is a feeling of impending 
dread or doom. You're anticipating that something negative is going to happen. And here's the key second part, and you're not going to be able to manage it. Mm -hmm. And it's outside of your control and anything that you're doing to manage it doesn't help. There are a few symptoms that we look for, edginess, restlessness, irritability, Mm -hmm. difficulty sleeping, just feeling like you can't keep yourself calm. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that anxiety, even though it's a mental condition, it shows up physically. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes you'll feel aches and pains Mm -hmm. and that's similar to depression. So depression is not just sadness, but sadness is a part of it. It's it's hopelessness. Mm -hmm. It's um, difficulty sleeping, eating too much, not eating enough. And then here's the hallmark sign for depression. The things that you once found enjoyable no longer, like, Hmm. you you don't care about it anymore. Hmm. So you start to kind of withdraw from people and activities that used to bring you a lot of joy. So those are, that's usually kind of the signs that we look for. And you're saying those, the top three things, relationships, exercise, nutrition, which you wouldn't necessarily connect directly to depression or anxiety, but those are things, those are kind of anecdotes to, or those are things that would help Mental wellness. Yes, absolutely. That will help you to kind of buffer Mm -hmm. negative life events. So it doesn't mean that you're going to be completely immune, Mm -hmm. but you'll be able to bounce back quicker if you already have those things in place. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's a great point. Thanks. Good question. Mm -hmm. Tyreek, when you were mentioning um, the cardboard testimonies, you mentioned on the front side, you know, they're saying something that they struggled with on the back side saying something else. And one of the examples you said was seeking help. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting too, kind of to go back to the authenticity, Mm -hmm. not necessarily the excellence culture in that to say we can, it, we're in process that we can be, we don't have to necessarily be fixed or cured or of this thing that we just admitting that we are in the process of getting help is probably a good thing. Oh yeah. Cause I, cause as, so as someone that leads the volunteers, um, and we just had a leader meeting about this, we modeled doing the cardboard testimony. And so for mine, it was like, I once was, you know, had dealt with anxiety and depression and now I'm learning how to fight for peace. Like I'm learning, Learning. like I'm not there yet, but I'm learning that. But I think that that's important to, I, I think there's probably a fear in saying, uh, I, I struggle with this and I'm not done struggling with it. Right. it. Like, I think people are really good at sharing it after the fact. Right. Like right. I got help and Testimony. now it's I'm great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as opposed to saying, I'm, I haven't figured this out yet, yeah. but I'm taking proactive steps yes. to figure it out. I think is probably important. And there's such power in that, yeah. right? Brene Brown talks about the power of vulnerability yeah. and mm-hmm. authenticity. It really helps people to lean in. It shows that you're relatable. Um, mm-hmm. I just, it, it builds more bridges and connections. Mm-hmm. I remember being in graduate school. I attended uh, university of Georgia and I was in a counseling program, right? Yeah. So I was all about mm-hmm. counseling. Yeah. And, but I had never experienced counseling. And I remember a graduate professor would be like, okay, I'm going to let you guys a little bit early, um, let you out a little bit early because I've got to go to counseling. Hmm. And I mean, we're in a counseling program. You could hear the whispers, the snickers. What is she going to counseling for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she kept doing that. And what I learned later on was that she was really just opening up the door for us to kind of do our own work and to show that it was okay, that you don't always have to be perfect mm-hmm. and that it is okay not to be okay, especially in a graduate counseling right, program. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so several of us by the end of that semester started, including myself, yeah. started counseling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great point that mm-hmm. we can talk about it from the stage all we want, but if we're not willing to model the behavior ourselves, seeking yeah. help, whatever that is. Yeah. Transparency. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so we've mentioned that the the top three things, again, relationships, exercise, nutrition are very great or great at um, preventative measures. But what if we're beyond that? What if we are, you know, going out for a run is not going, is not helping, you know, we're doing all the right things Mm -hmm. and we have struggled with the anxiety or the depression months, you know, years even, what do we, what can we begin to do? So, I mean, I feel like I've been past, you know, where the preventative, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I honestly feel like it's not been that long and I'm still not back. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's, it's mm-hmm. this, it's been a, it's been a ditch or a trough or a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? A yeah. rough stretch. And, yeah. um, but I do feel like I'm on the rise again and I feel like those things are important mm-hmm. that I'm not going to hear it. I've come to the place where I'm not going to hear a truth. Somebody's going to mm-hmm. say something that's going to jolt me out of this, mm-hmm. but it took me years to get in. Yeah. And it may take me months and years to kind of get back out. So yeah. those are still part of it. Like yeah. I missed exercising this morning. That's yeah, not, yeah. 
that not great for me, right. you know, yeah, like yeah. I need to get back into that. But I also hadn't slept because that's really important, you know? Sleep so and again, it, yeah. it, to me, when I look back at how I got into it, it was not eating well, not sleeping well, mm-hmm. which led to me not eating well, <laughs> which led to <laughs> me missing exercise. Right. Which it's a vicious led to, cycle. Yeah. yeah. And it cycled out and you've got to, it's hard work mm-hmm. to really, to dig out. And counseling was, is part of it, yeah. you know, and just different ways of, of coping. So not coping, different ways of coping. Coping is one of the (laughs) signals, right? Yeah. That you need to to sort out. So, I mean, I, I just say that to say, I feel like I'm on the rise out of it, but you know, one of the things I discovered about myself is that I naturally live at a lower mood than everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, like angry resting faces is a real real thing thing for me, (laughs) which actually has a lot of benefits. Like I thrive in an emergency situation because when everybody else is up here, I'm kind of normal. Yeah. So, you know, but to just learn that about myself was so helpful because it's like, okay, well, you know, so my troughs may be a little deeper, you know, that's interesting. Right. I think you also bring up a good point that Jenway, you were saying earlier that there's, um, loss that can often trigger this, but chef, you're saying there, there were years of just maybe some bad habits that kind of got you there. That it wasn't one event mm -hmm. or relationship ending or one thing. Right. When I listen to Tyreek's story, I think, wow, Mm -hmm. I wish I had a moment Mm -hmm. that I could go back. Back mm-hmm. and say that mm-hmm. was kind of what. Yeah, but, but it, it was just—it's hard work, yeah. ministry life, ministry life, yeah. Pouring, pouring, mm-hmm. pouring, not taking mm-hmm. care of yourself in mm-hmm. little ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And Burnout. then I'd have good, yeah. I'd have good seasons of taking care of myself, mm-hmm. and yeah. then it would catch up again. Yeah. Um, but it seems yeah, like that's important. A good way to put burnout it. to bring up that one event doesn't necessarily trigger yeah. it. That it could be years of routine getting you there. And so you don't have to feel guilty if you can't point to a life event and be like, this is what, this is where things started to go downhill for me. Well, often you, you can't, often you can't. So the difference between stress and anxiety is stress. You can pinpoint a specific trigger. I have an interview. I'm about to be on stage. I, you know, whatever, some big high stakes event, right? Right. Anxiety is pervasive. Mm. Anxiety, you feel it across different settings, across Mm. activities, across different topics. And then one thing I want to point out about depression, for a lot of my clients, they have a lot of shame because they're depressed, but their life on paper looks excellent. Mm -hmm. That's good. And they would even say, yeah, I got a good life. Yeah. And you see them with their kids, they're good parents, you see them at church, they're clean, (laughs) they look gorgeous, Mm -hmm. not just on Instagram, (laughs) Um, but they feel empty inside, right? And so sometimes, um, especially if they come from ministry, Mm -hmm. they feel bummed about that. Like I should be able to pinpoint one specific thing that has me anxious all the time or Mm -hmm. sad all the time, Mm -hmm. but I can't. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I think it's important to mention. Yeah, that's good. And one thing the chef said that I think has been super beneficial for me in my journey of, you know, finding uh, mental health and all those things was learning, you learn yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think the scripture that comes to mind for me is like, you need to love others the way you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you don't know yourself, it's really hard to love other that's people in those point. deep ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, going to counseling was, a, that was a discovery for me. Yeah. Like in the way that, you know, my counselor would be like, man, you're, you're like this. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> and, and then when he would say certain things, I'd be like, yo, he's right. Yeah. right. That makes sense why I operate and function a certain way. And right. then being okay with it and then managing my life to say, okay, sorry, now you're no, I know when I'm not healthy. Yeah. Like I'm like, when, I, when my thoughts drift more so to that anxiety yes. or something outside of me that I can't control and I'm, I'm worried about that, I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm in a bad place. Like yeah. I need yeah. to get back in the middle somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so we know we've been talking about self-care, lifestyle hacks such as, you know, nutrition, hiking, uh, you know, whatever. But, and yes, prevention is less costly than repair. Right. (laughs) Right. So that's very, very important. Um, But sort of back to your point, what happens when you're kind of past the point of, managing your diet and getting exercise and you're still feeling highly anxious or really depressed, then what? Mm -hmm. And what I want to say to listeners is 
there's no shame in reaching out for support. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so important to get connected with a mental health professional Mm -hmm. that can guide you and give you um, tools to be able to manage uh, life when it gets pretty hectic um, to help you learn more about yourself. That's Mm -hmm. a huge part of what we as mental health counselors do. And so I just, there's something that I think is just important to mention because I do talks with ministry leaders who sometimes do still feel, even after my talk, still feel like it's somehow a personal failure Mm. or they're supposed to figure it out through prayer or scripture. And so I just want people to know that from scriptures, you can be assured that God will give you the wisdom you need when you lack it. But sometimes he also finds other people for you to help you to participate in this process. And my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures is actually Proverbs 11, 14, where there's no guidance the people fall, but mm. in a but in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. Mm. Of course, I love that scripture because it's got counselors in it. Counselor, <laughs> um, but I think it just speaks to you know we're supposed to be the hands and feet yeah. of Christ, and we are supposed to bear each other's burdens, right. not to the point where we're hurting ourselves. Right. Um, but it is okay to lean on other people. Yeah. So they're counselors for um, individuals who have children. Mm. Pediatricians are good. Hmm. Sort of first step, Mm -hmm. if it's difficult to find someone in your area um, that provides mental health counseling, because that's the question that I get the most, right? How do I find a good therapist? That's a source. And then there are tons of online uh, sources as well that we can get into later. But definitely there's no shame in getting the help that you need. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so Chen Wei, you you mentioned some specific resources. If you don't mind going into some of them now, and we'll put links in the show notes so people are able to access those. Absolutely. One resource that I really want to mention um, is a collaboration among psychiatrists and, okay. and clergy, and they produce two publications um, that really are a list of resources to help faith leaders better understand mental health okay. conditions. And so uh, one resource is called Mental Health, A Guide for Faith Leaders. It's a booklet, and there's okay. a companion two-page publication called Quick Reference on Mental Health for Faith Leaders. Okay. And that's available on www.psychiatry.org slash faith. And what I love about this is the collaboration between psychiatrists and faith leaders, right? Yeah. So that's a movement in the right direction. And then other more general um, resources for finding, locating a therapist, locating treatment centers, Mm -hmm. sometimes when people are a little bit more severe or Mm -hmm. need additional support. There's American Counseling Association, and that link is um, www.counseling.org. Okay. Another excellent resource is the National Institute of Mental Health. That's my go-to for families, www.nimh.nih.gov. Mm-hmm. And again, this will be in the show notes, yeah. right? Yeah. Mental Health America is wonderful. Mentalhealthamerica.net okay. is the link. And then NAMI is awesome, National Alliance on Mental illness. They have family groups across the country. They even have online discussion groups like my kids exhibiting this behavior. I'm going through this. Is it bipolar? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And that website is, you can actually email them at info at NAMI.org, but the website is actually NAMI.org. Okay. That's super helpful. Yeah, I love that because I think that, um, you know, counseling is obviously a great option, maybe the best option, but a lot of those resources are just free things that people can tap into and get help no matter what their financial situation or where they are, whatever. Absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. I love that. So as we wrap up, I just wanted to ask each one of you, what's one thing that you would want to pass along to someone who is just walking through mental health struggles right now, or who just is kind of on the fence, not really sure what to do next? They think they might need help. They don't really know. They, have not, they haven't really found a safe place yet. What's one thing that you would pass along to them, just encourage them as we head out? I would say, uh, and I say this to people I work with all the time, like even when like they come in and they have a cold or something like that, mm-hmm. I always say like, we get it. You're strong. Go home and get some <laughs> rest, right? So like I love that. this idea that like, we get it. You are strong. You are high capacity. You are able to achieve amazing mm-hmm. things. And God has put an amazing call in your life. And you still... Mm-hmm. need to go talk to somebody yeah. or implement those <laughs> working right. out eating good. good like we right. get it and so i would and so i would say that i'm like it doesn't negate those things yes. it enhances those things that's huge and i also would say just commit to a long-term journey like mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. with this is it's and and we treat fitness the same way it's like oh i'm gonna stop eating all the sugar i'm going to the gym twice a day and it's like no it could be 
okay, today I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah. All right. Or today I'm just going to look up yeah. the counselors right. in my area. Yeah. Tomorrow I may actually call somebody, but today yeah. I'm Attainable just going to look it up. Baby yeah. stepping in. Yeah. Good. So just literally one step at a time. Like you are strong, but how strong can you be when you're burnt out or mm-hmm. you're breaking down when you don't have to even be there? So I would encourage you to do those things. That's good. I like that. I love that. Um, many of my clients, especially if they've come to counseling, come to me for the very first time, they indicate that they have felt like they're the only ones experiencing mm. this. Mm-hmm. They must be. And of course, they're mm. not necessarily right. sharing it. Right. So that's like, you know, confirmed in their heads. Mm-hmm. So what I would want to say to people listening is that you're you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Again, there's no shame in taking care of your mental health, right? You want, many of us want to eat well. We want to keep up with our bodies. We take our vitamins. Mental illness is like any other illness and it can be warded off Mm -hmm. with a few things. But if you are in that place, if you had a broken leg, you would take care of it, right? right? If you had heart disease, you would take care of it. If you had cancer, you would take care of it. So that's pretty much my takeaway is that we shouldn't be ashamed to say that, A, we have feelings and maybe our feelings feel broken. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we feel broken and that seeking help is actually a sign of strength, not weakness. And it's important to remember that treatments are available and effective. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. I just, I mean, I would echo what you're saying. It's not only... What did you say? You said vulnerability is strength or whatever. I think that was the plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Apostle Paul is clear, you know, Mm -hmm. that we share the gospel and our lives as well. Mm -hmm. That, you know, this isn't, you are not meant to do this alone. The spirit is strong enough, but the design is, Mm -hmm. you know, that the body of Christ through people Mm -hmm. are, are where we're going to experience, you know, a lot of this healing. So, you know, you should work on your diet. You should, but if you're alone and you're, suffering, you know, silently, like that's not going to work. This is a burnout ministry. Youth ministry is a burnout ministry. Mm -hmm. And so to be there, there's no shame in that. Yeah. And if without prevention, you will get there. Yeah. And there are many of us (laughs) who have been there or are there or Mm -hmm. on their way out. So just, you know, that's right. Get on the phone, call somebody and, um, start talking. That's great. Well, I just want to thank you guys for coming in and being a part of this conversation. Um, Tyreek and Chef, both of you all sharing your personal experiences and, and Dr. Chen Wei for just being willing to share some of your insight and wisdom. And um, it just was super helpful, I think, to a lot of people. I know it was to me just sitting here listening. So I just want to thank everyone for joining us on the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. The conversation doesn't have to stop here. We'd love to invite you to join the conversation this week in our Facebook group as we talk about what it looks like to take care of ourselves and our mental health as youth ministry leaders. Just search Orange Students on Facebook or visit our show notes at rethinkingym.org for a link. That's also a great group to remind you that you're not alone. Until next time, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.